You're listening to today's inspirational message on pursuing God with Gene Apple. Here's Gene. It's a good Friday, and I want to thank you for joining me throughout this holy week as we've made the journey from Palm Sunday to the Upper Room, to the Garden of Gethsemane, to the House of Caiaphas, and ultimately today we journey to Golgotha, which means the place of the skull, or Calvary, the place where Jesus died. After a lonely night in a prison cell, deep in a dark cell in the ground where Jesus was completely abandoned by those he was the closest to, Jesus is put on trial. The trial is a farce. It's actually a series of trials because nobody could decide what should be done with Jesus. They can't find anything he's done wrong or a reason to punish him. He was sinless, which can't be said about anybody else in the history of the world. And in the coming hours, He's passed around like a hot potato from one leader to another, and ultimately, he ends up in the hands of Pilate, the Roman governor. Pilate tells the crowd, I find nothing on his part that deserves death. I will have him beaten and let him go. Then at Pilate's command, the soldiers strip Jesus of his clothing, tie him to a pillar, and beat him by flogging. Roman floggings were incredibly brutal and usually consisted of 39 lashes, but frequently more depending on the mood of the soldiers delivering the blows. The soldiers would use a whip of braided leather thongs with metal balls and sharp bone woven into them. And when the whip would strike the flesh, the balls would cause deep bruises or contusions, which would break open with even more blows. Then the back would be so shredded that often parts of the spine would be exposed by the deep, deep cuts. The whipping would go all the way from the shoulders down to the backside to the legs as the flogging continued. The lacerations would tear into the underlying skeletal muscles and produce quivering strips of bleeding flesh. Many people, in fact, two-thirds of them, died from this beating. Now, Pilate hopes that this horrific sight will arouse the pity of the people, and they will stop their cries against Jesus. But their cries were too much, and some of the same people who just days earlier shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, now cry, crucify him, crucify him. And so Pilate gives the order. After a grueling journey to Golgotha, where he's mocked, beaten, and spit upon, the cross is laid on the ground and Jesus' naked body already beaten and malnourished is stretched upon it. The Romans took nails five to seven inches long that tapered to a sharp point. They nailed the hands first just below the palm which crushed the largest nerve going out of the hand as the nail was pounded in. The pain would be unbearable. At this point, Jesus was hoisted up And they drove the nails through his feet, inducing a similar type of pain in the nerves of his feet. It's 9 a.m. on Friday morning when Jesus is placed on the cross. He would suffer there for the next six hours. It's a horrible sight. The soldiers in charge of overseeing the execution divide up Jesus' clothing and cast lots for the leftover items. The crowd taunts him with words like, Come down from the cross and save yourself if you can. He saved others, but he can't save himself. If he really is the Christ, the King of Israel, let him come down now and then we will believe. Three hours passed and it's noon. 
and suddenly darkness comes over the sky. The darkness alarms everyone. Now they all stand still, full of fear. Then around three o'clock in the afternoon, Jesus, the Lamb of God, who came to take away the sins of the world, cries out loudly, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And when he could hold on no longer, he says, It is finished. And after a moment's pause, he speaks with a loud voice and calls out to God, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And with those words, his head drops forward and Jesus' brutalized body hangs lifeless on the cross. To be certain he was dead, one of the soldiers drives a spear into his side to strike his heart and both water and blood poured out of the wound. It just didn't seem right in heaven, and it doesn't seem right to us. Guilty sinners don't deserve a substitute like the one God provided. We ought to pay for our own sin. We're the foul-ups. We're the ones who lie when we ought to tell the truth. We're the ones who hate when we ought to love. We're the ones who hold back when we ought to give. We're the ones who exclude when we ought to include. But listen, the God of the universe has this thing about you. He loves you. He knows your name. And Jesus paid the price so that we could be forgiven and stand blameless before God on the merits of the Lamb of God who paid the price for us. And then three days later, he overcame death and he overcame sin by raising from the dead an event that we're going to celebrate 26 times across our Eastside campuses this weekend, beginning tonight. Who is this man that died on the cross as the ultimate expression of goodness and holiness and the love of God? Who is this man that three days later raised from the dead and unleashed the movement that has been impacting the world for 2,000 years? He is the defining mark of all history. He is the hope of the oppressed. He is the comforter for all the despairing and the dying. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords and he is the servant of all. He is the greatest teacher who ever lived. He is the greatest mind who ever thought. He he sparked the greatest movement that ever spread. He offers the greatest gift that has ever been given. He alone mastered life. He alone conquered death. He alone overcame sin. He alone destroyed guilt. He is the Lamb of God, the Savior of the world. That's who He is, and He is worthy of our lives. He is worthy of our prayers, and He is worthy of our worship this Easter weekend, now and forever. Oh God, we thank you for this amazing one. There has never been, there will never be another like him, your one and only son. And we thank you for the hope that he gives us. God, this Easter weekend, fill us in new ways with hope. May people that we know and love who've never grasped that hope, find that hope, say yes to that hope be honored in our worship of you across all of our campuses and across the world. We pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen and amen. Hey, I want to challenge you. Invite one person to join you at Easter this weekend. And I hope to see you back here next Monday as we pursue God together.